So we have a dog called Maui. <laughs> and I love to walk Maui. Every day I walk her, the same route takes me about 35 to 40 minutes. And I love to walk her because I love the gardens in Canada. They are beautiful. Right now, there are pumpkins everywhere. So when you walk past the gardens, everybody has different pumpkins, and people have chrysanthemums now. There's some flowers are still left. The leaves are all changing, and it is beautiful. They've also started to put up big pink spiders. I think Halloween's coming along. I'm not crazy about these, but this is the next season. And so then after that, it's going to start to snow. And walking Maui when it snows is beautiful. And walking through the snow and the season of what, the, what uh, like every place, every day, there's something different. And then the snow melts and then all the tulips start coming up. And everybody's gardens have beautiful tulips and daffodils. Do you all know what I'm talking about? And then everybody gets hanging baskets. They hang these baskets of flowers in their yards. And so even though I walk exactly the same route every day, every day I love it because there's something new that I see. The, the gardens change, I meet new people, and it's always different. And, in a, and when we lived in the BBR, we had a coral reef right in front of us, and I used to snorkel every day because even though it was the same reef, everything was different. And I feel that that is what it's like with the Bible. I mean, how, how, for us, if we've been Christians for 30 years, we've probably read the book of Acts quite a few times, or we've heard about it. But you know, every day you read the Bible, there is something that you see that is new, that's different, that you saw that you didn't see before when you read. You would, you'll read something and there'll be something that you'll see that'll bring your soul alive. There's something that will happen that you will feel anxious and you'll read the Bible and you'll just come into, you read something that just brings you into this place of incredible rest and peace because you're actually reading the living Word of God that God has given us. It is the greatest gift that God has given us. And every day we read, Patricia is reading Leviticus, and she says, you know, <laughs> Leviticus is amazing. It's amazing. Why? Because there's something that God is showing us, because as we read it, we can actually see it leads us to the face of Jesus. And again, we see, oh my God, you are so gracious. And you read something new, and you say, oh, you didn't see this before. And you realize how kind God is, and how loving he is. And all the things that God shows us as we continue to read the Bible. And so I pray, I used to be desperate. We sang a song this morning, make me desperate. And I, I don't want to be desperate anymore for people to read the Bible. I just pray, God, I pray for such an impartation that we get such a hunger for the living Word of God that literally transforms our lives, that transforms our communities, 
And everywhere we go, the life of God comes because of the power of the Word of God. The Bible says in the beginning that God spoke and the world came into existence. So literally, everything that is around us is held on the power of the spoken Word of God. When we speak the Word of God, we literally create life in situations. Things that were dead come alive because we speak the Word of God. It is the greatest thing that God has given us is the Word of God. And so, today, we're looking at the book of Acts, chapter 15. I'm going to read from the ESV, but before we do, I'm just going to quickly sum up what it's about. The book of Acts, chapter 15 is, it looks at two situations where conflict arises. In the first situation, conflict is resolved. In the second situation, the conflict is not resolved. If you have two people coming together, like Yaku and I, we do not agree on everything. Do you agree? People don't agree. People do not agree because we are different. We have different ways of seeing things. The Bible says that there are fights and quarrels among us because we want our own way. We want what we want, and we'll fight for what we have because we want our way. And God says that he has come to give us life, and the life, we sang it in the first song, is in unity. God says, where there's unity, I command a blessing. How good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Above all, the Bible says, pursue unity. The devil comes in to divide in marriages, to divide in churches, to divide in your workplaces because of disagreement. The thing is that we can disagree. Unity does not mean that we agree. If people agree, they just agree. Unity happens even when people disagree because there's a greater power that comes in the power of unity. Jesus was so serious about what unity looked like, the Bible says that he was prepared to hang on a cross where every one of his bones were out of place. And dis, in a place of disunity, he said, he became disunified physically in his body so that we could be unified in the church. And so today, if you hear this, this is what God desires of us. He desires for us to work at unity. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called the sons and daughters of God. That's what I want to be called, son and daughter of God. But something that we have to work at is this thing of peace. The last, the last prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples was, Lord, let them be one as we are one. Let the church be one is the cry of the Spirit of God. Do not ever let us be someone who allows disunity to come because we want it our own way. We don't have to all agree. We just have to have unity. So, chapter 15. I'm going to read it. David's going to put it up for us. Thank you, David. It's in the ESV. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. 
And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension, the Bible says in some translations, they strongly disagreed and argued and debate with them. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders and all of them declared that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent, very important, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. He's quoting Amos, Amos 9, verse 11. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it. That the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had it in every city, those who proclaim him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Then it seemed good to the elders. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Bersabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, Greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silence, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, with many others also. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord, and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take them with one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with them and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So, literally this word that we, I read this morning is transformational. It was such a pivotal time in the church when James stood up and declared what God had, did, had done. Actually, Eric has a tattooed on his arm. What do you have on your arm? What does it say? So that's what Eric has. It says, through grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. That's it. Isn't that incredible? So Acts is actually known as the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's in the New Testament and we have the four Gospels before the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. The four Gospels tell the story of Mary, who was a virgin, and the Holy Spirit came upon her, and she gave birth to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who grew up, and at the age of 30, he chose 12 men to be his disciples. And they followed him, and they lived with him for three years. And in three years, Jesus told these 12 men, I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. I am actually the one that the whole of the Old Testament and the laws prophesied about. I am he. And the disciples loved it. They loved to be with Jesus. They quarreled about who was going to be the greatest, who was going to sit on the left and the right. They thought that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman government and rule and reign, and they were going to rule and reign with him. It was amazing. And as they lived with Jesus, they saw what Jesus was like. They saw that he actually held the leper and healed the leper. He saw how he dealt with women. They saw how he raised the dead and he walked on water. And they lived this incredible life with Jesus for three years. And then one day, 
They get, they have dinner, and Jesus is really weird about blood and bread, and then he's very unsettled, and he, and he says, stay awake, I need to pray. But they were exhausted, so they slept. And they woke up, and there is this Roman guards, and all of these, and, and, and the Jewish soldiers, and a mob of them arrive, all armed. And Judas, one of the disciples, walks up to Jesus and kisses him. And all of the Roman guards say, who is Jesus of Nazareth? And the Bible says, Jesus said, as Jesus said, I am he, that the guards actually fell back because of the power of God, Jesus, just declaring, I am Jesus of Nazareth. What does Peter do? Oh my gosh, this is it. He gets his sword, cuts off his ear, one of the guards' ear, and then Jesus says, no, Peter, we're not, no. Heals his ear and then says to these men, take me. You've come for me, let these men go. Let the disciples go. I'm the one you want. And the Bible says the disciples, every one of them, fled. They left him. There was Jesus and Peter watched from a distance, but he literally was crucified. He died. Only John stood at the cross with Jesus' mother, Mary. Mary, who knew that that was the Son of God. She knew. She was the one that the Holy Spirit had come upon. Nothing. She watched her son die, and he was dead. The disciples, every one of them, were scattered. They were confused. They were lonely. They were, the Bible says, they were so fearful. They were afraid. They ran away and they scattered. Yet, the book of Acts is about the acts of these men, the acts of the apostles. What transformed these cowardly, fearful men that were running from their lives where every single one of them were martyred and preached the gospel, took the gospel to the ends of the earth. Something happened. Jesus rose from the dead. Greatest proof, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and appeared to these 12 men. He called them all together and lived with them for 40 days. He said, I told you this was what it was going to be like. I explained it, and he ate with them, and he lived with them, and their lives were transformed from men of cowards to rot the acts of the apostles that we see today. And the 12 men, Jesus said, I'm going to heaven, and they watched Jesus go to heaven in front of them after 40 days, and Jesus said, I want you to wait. I want you to wait. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon one or two men or women who prophesied. But Jesus, and Jesus lived with people one to one. But God said, my glory is going to cover the earth as the oceans cover the sea. My Holy Spirit is going to be poured out for all mankind. I am going to heaven so that I will give you the Holy Spirit, the unity of the Godhead, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. It's a mystery. We can't understand this, three in one. And they waited and the Bible says that Mary was there and his brothers. Jesus' brothers, who never once when he was alive thought he was the Son of God. 
They all waited in the upper room. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell upon them in power and they became witnesses everywhere they went. Peter stood up. 5,000 people were saved as he declared the goodness of God. And we saw, we've gone through the book of Acts. In Jerusalem, the church started. And as the church started, and people, this message, this gospel of salvation was so radically incredible that people were being saved and transformed everywhere they heard this message. And the church was growing. And as the church grew, we heard Satan came to try to bring persecution. And the more persecution brought, the greater the church spread. So that they actually said around the world, these are the men that have changed the world. They've turned the world upside down. These men have been with Jesus and are literally transforming every city where they go to. We have to stop this spread of this Jesus. And every time they tried, the gospel spread. And God took a man that was named Paul that we looked at. He persecuted the church. He was a Pharisee. He hated the Christians. The Bible said he martyred them everywhere he went. And God sovereignly transformed his life, appeared to him, and he became Paul, the apostle, that joined the men, and now went to Damascus. What do you think the church thought of Paul arriving? They were, who is this man who persecuted the church? They, he, they didn't trust him as he came. That, that man who persecuted now says he believes in Jesus. And so there was a man called Barnabas. And Barnabas fetched Paul, son of encouragement. The Bible says, gave everything that he owned, laid it at the apostles' feet. And he took Paul and he said to the church, this is Paul. And he stood up for Paul and he validated him so that actually received who Paul was. That was Barnabas. Paul then, the Bible says he went away, he went back to tent making. Barnabas went and fetched him and said, you've been called to the Gentiles, Paul. And the two men started the book in Antioch and they went on their first missionary journey and everywhere they went, churches started and people were saved and they were persecuted. Barnabas took his cousin with him, John Mark. The first time the persecution started, John ran back to Jerusalem. Because it was quite, I mean, they'd been beaten, he's like, okay, and he ran back to Jerusalem. And now we start, this is back at the book of Acts, we're starting, Paul and, and Barnabas, and Paul and Barnabas have finished their first missionary journey, and they're back in Antioch. God's desire was always for the Israelites to be a blessing to the world. He never had one favorite, per, one favorite group of people and everybody else was second rate. God's desire was always to bless Israel to be a blessing. It's the same desire for the church. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. And so Paul and Barnabas now start in the, in the beginning of chapter 15. This is where we are, just a little summary. <laughs> They're back in the book. They now finished it. And the Bible says some of the men came from Judea. And they said, actually, these Gentiles that are coming in, they need to be circumcised before they can be saved. This was huge. They were saying, unless they follow this law of Moses, they cannot be saved. But Paul and Barnabas know about it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is revolutionary for us, even for us today. 
to know that there's actually nothing that we ever have to do. We are perfectly loved and perfectly accepted. In fact, the Bible says God cannot even remember the sins that you committed. He doesn't even have the ability to remember it. That's the grace and the love of God. And he only sees us as he sees Christ. This chapter, knowing that, literally transforms people's lives. When tomorrow we're going to vote, a government is just a government. The Word of God is the only thing that actually has the ability to transform people's lives from the inside out, to transform families, to transform schools, to transform universities. Jesus Christ literally transforms lives, which government cannot do. And so, they, they come in and they say, they, these, men have to be, these men have to be circumcised. This is a big deal. So Paul and Barnabas said, okay, what we're going to do is the main churches in Jerusalem, we'll go back to Jerusalem and let's just talk about this. Let's see what, what the answer is. And the Bible says, as they, they, on their way to, from Antioch to Jerusalem, they stop in Phoenicia and Cilicia, and everywhere they go, they're telling the church, the Gentiles are coming in. The Gentiles are coming in and everybody's celebrating. So they get to Jerusalem, to the elders. These are these apostles, these men now, and the elders of Jerusalem, and James is there, Jesus' half-brother. He's actually the one leading the church in Jerusalem. He writes the book of James, and the Bible says he was known for incredible wisdom. This is Jesus' brother, James. And they come and they, the Bible says that Peter stood up and he said, do you know the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the Gentiles? In Galatians 2, verse 1, Peter, Paul, the Bible says that Paul confronted Peter to his face in front of the entire church because Peter was acting like a hypocrite. He would eat with the Gentiles, but when the Jews came, he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles because they would judge him. The Bible says even Barnabas was led astray. And so this was hugely important, the Jews and the Gentiles, that God had taken away this dividing wall. And so Peter stands up and he's, he's got it right now and he, decla- and he tells them, guys, it, the Holy Spirit is being poured out. And then Paul and Barnabas start explaining about the signs and the miracles that follow everywhere the word is preached. And so James, they, they think about this. And the Pharisees who became Christians, they stood up and said, no, we need to, we need to obey this law of Moses else you can't be saved. And James stands up and says, actually, this is it. The thing that I said there between the two situations of conflict was that everybody listened while people gave their different opinions. That is the greatest resolution of conflict, is to actually listen to people, is to listen. They listened. And as they listened, James stood up and said, you know, actually, and he quotes Amos, because of wisdom, the wisdom of God on this man. He says, actually, no law, grace, through faith in Jesus alone. That's it. But actually, you know what? Don't be offensive. Don't go and eat with blood with people. It's not going to affect your salvation. God says the same to us. You don't have to, in your freedom, be offensive to other people. If people where people are going, and, and, and obviously no sexual immorality, but just don't eat. To the Jews, it's a big deal if you sacrifice, if you're eating blood because of Leviticus. You can in your freedom, but don't offend people to be offensive. 
That's what James says. So Paul and Barnabas are really excited, and they write one of the most important letters in the church and take it back to Antioch to be spread to the churches. This is what we have decided. This is what God says. So they actually had to send Silas and Barnabas with to authenticate that the word, the letter, because they, had, they went from the church to say, you know what, this is what Paul and Barnabas are taking. The church actually also all agrees with this, and we are sending them with you to validate that this is actually what we have decided. And they tell the church that it's only through grace alone, and they stand up, Paul and Barnabas stand up, and declare, no circumcision, no law of Moses, Jesus Christ has done it all. And the Bible says everybody rejoiced. Everybody rejoiced in what God had said. And then, straight after that, Paul and Barnabas decided that they were going to go back to all those churches that they had started and that they were going to start encouraging those churches again. And Barnabas says, well, let's take my cousin Mark with me. And Paul was like, no, he deserted us when things got tough. I'm not taking him with The Bible says they had such a heated discussion that these men, Barnabas is the son of encouragement. It's Paul, are you kidding me? The church didn't accept you when you were the persecutor. I brought you into the church and got the church to listen to you. I went and fetched you when you were at, back. I I know what it's like to encourage people. Let's give them another chance. Because Barnabas was the people are here. It was about the people. Paul was, it's about the church being spread. Barnabas was, this is the thing. They were both right. Both of them were right. Neither of them were wrong. But they came to such a strong disagreement that the Bible said that these men that had done so much together, they had walked through persecution, they had started churches, they were such incredible friends, could not agree on if they should take Mark with. And the Bible says they parted ways. Paul took Silas with him, which ended up being a good thing because he was a Jew. He went on a new journey, started new churches as he went away. Barnabas took John Mark. They went back to Cyprus, the Bible says, and God blessed. It's a double blessing anyway. But such a sad story in the Bible about how these men parted ways. There's always redemption because in Colossians it says, Paul says at the end of his life, please go fetch me John Mark. He's such an encouragement to me. I really need him. Will you go fetch him for me? And, John, and, 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 he, and Paul writes, you know, is it only me and Barnabas who can't take wives with us? Is it only that level of the apostle who Barnabas is and honors him? But only at the end of their lives did, they get, did God restore this relationship because they could not agree when both of them were right on a situation. But this message, so that was the message on Conflict resolution. That's, that's it. We, we hear a word, so we're going to work it out this week. God's going to work this out in our lives. But this message of the fact that Jesus, when he died, that curtain was torn, and the Bible says that there is no male or female, no Jew nor Gentile, no slave or free, was something that was so radical to people's ways of thinking. To actually say, husbands, 
love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid down her life for the church. That's how I want you to love your wives. Men, I actually want you to sacrifice. I want you to die. I want you to be the servant and the one that's the least in this situation. That was revolutionary, that way of thinking, how men and women were, what Jesus was preaching. To preach that there was no slave and free was revolution. To preach that there was no Jew and Gentile when the Pharisees, they had 650 laws just on how to obey the Sabbath. They lived these lives of all of these laws and regulations and Jesus said, that's done away with. It was, can you try and think of this revolutionary way that Jesus was thinking? I'm, you're, not allowed to tell, you're not allowed to judge me when I tell you this story. You're not to, I'm going to just tell you, this is how I thought of this. This week, we got our Canadian passports. Basically, we saved. That's it. This is the story we saved. Belinda and Kevin, they, got, they passed, they got citizenship with their family this week. It's a time of great celebration for us as a community. So, so basically I'm saved when I tell you the story. We live, God called us to live on the island for 10 years. This is, I'm just going to quickly give you a story how we lived. If we had any garbage, there would just be a bin outside and you would put the garbage in the bin outside. Then, when the, every day when that was filled, you would take that black bin and you'd throw it on the top of your car. Desiree, remember when we first arrived, you kept saying, because we always had garbage on the top of our car when we arrived in Canada. It's like, Desiree, no, take the banana peels off. So you throw the garbage on the top of your car and you drive to huge bins somewhere on the side of the road. And sometimes you forget, so there's garbage everywhere all over the streets. And you, if you're good, you can throw that garbage while you're sitting in the car or you can... <laughs> drive across all the oncoming traffic and just get out and throw it. Are you listening, Didi? Throw it into the... And there's chickens. There's always chickens would jump up and then that was it and you carried on driving. And then um, you... If you saw your friend on the side... If your friend was coming towards... No rules, no tra- nothing. Not a single sign anywhere. If your friend was driving towards you, you would stop dead in the middle of the road and have a conversation. We wrote off a car four-car pileup. It happened all the time. That's what people did. You would talk to your friend in the middle of the road. We didn't stop. Someone stopped in front of us. We had a four-car pileup. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. You spoke to your friend and then you would drive on. If you parked, if you went to the supermarket and parked, there was a huge chance that you were parked in. Huge. If you, everybody knew you'd be late because your car was parked in. You get late for your kids at horse riding. And sometimes people would leave their, car, their keys in their car. So you'd move everybody's car around. I mean, big trucks or whatever. You would definitely be parked in a few times a week. Then <laughs> Yako would be at band and he would feel like... <laughs> he used to have a beer every day he came home from band practice on a Tuesday night. Somebody did. <laughs> so Levi, who would probably be, I don't know, eight, would go into the store... Get to buy the beer, open the tin of the beer, bring it out. Yaku would drink the beer and we'd drive home. And that was just how life was. So now, we come to Canada. And this is the situation with the garbage. If you have biodegradable garbage, that goes in a grey bin under your sink in a special bag. You then have 
a blue bin in your garage that you put your yoga tins and those kind of boxes type of things, and the rest goes in a black bag. You only get two black bags a week. If you get more than two black bags a week, you've got to go to the library and buy little stickers that cost $2 each. If you get all your garbage wrong, which we did for weeks, there will be a little note on your blue bin that says, sorry, with a sad face. <laughs> and they've ticked off all the reasons why your garbage has been left behind. If you have six black bags this week, and all your neighbors just have one black bag, you do not take your black bags and put them around everybody. Your neighbors, your neighbors really get angry. Like, really angry. You only have one black bag. What is the difference if I add my black bag? No, no, no. Like, really angry. Sorry, sorry. You then drive to visit your friend. I failed my license five times. I've never failed anything in my life. You drive to visit your friend. You do not, if your friend lives in this house, you don't go across the road and park your car that way. No, no, no. You must park your car the same way as the cars are parked on the road. Obviously, you also do, you do not park near a fire hydrant. No, you don't turn around. And, and you do not drive into your friend's house and park on that, that little sidewalk. <laughs> that sidewalk, that sidewalk is like gold. You don't cover, you don't park over people's sidewalks. You don't. And you keep those sidewalks clean in summer, and people get very upset if you park over the sidewalks. If you go to a bottle store, the LCBO, and you're having friends for, friends are coming and you want to buy a bottle of wine, you do not park in the parking where there's a little wheelchair. Even though there are four empty parkings, people get very, very angry with you. Very angry. Why is it affecting you that I am parking in this parking? There are four other spaces for people with the furious. You do not do that. Do you get my thing about, you get my thing about the rules and the laws? You don't do that. When you go to buy the bottle of wine, if your son was not 19 and carried the bottle of wine to pay for it, you are going to be a, feel a big fool in that there because in front of everybody, they're going to tell you, you cannot buy that bottle of wine because your son carried the bottle of wine for you to pay for it and he is not 19 yet. This is the thing. I really want to obey the rules in Canada. But there are so many all the time. Every time I feel that I have one that's right, I've got another one that I did wrong. Because I feel that you just can't get... And people, this week, I, this man was so angry with me. Like he had this umbrella, I thought he wanted to hit me because I was walking past on the phone and didn't pick up the dog poop. I mean, really, people do this. Everywhere, Desiree Deborah told me, you have to pick up the... Like, really, people do it. You've got to put it in the bag. If you don't, people get so angry with you. And this is what it was like. This is, 
Honestly, I know, I'm fe- I know you're starting to feel anxious. I, I know. When you go to, if you go to a party and you, you pick up a piece of sushi and you change your mind, you don't put that same piece of sushi back and choose something else to eat. Nobody else wants to eat food after you've done that. Everybody is anxious. Everywhere you go, you're causing it. Because there are so many rules and laws that you have to follow. The thing is that that's what they were saying. There's so many rules that Moses had. That's what I'm telling you now. I feel now I'm a Canadian citizen. I can't kick me out of the country. <laughs> that's it. But you, know, but you know, when I was thinking of it, this is what the thing is. The Bible says that Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish the law. And so in our freedom, God does want us to obey the law. He does expect it of us. Our freedom doesn't mean that we don't do what the law says. God fulfilled it. He just, so we still have to do it, but it doesn't affect our salvation. And so in this way of thinking, this is a small way of me trying to tell you how difficult, I I could tell you forever how difficult it is for immigrants coming into Canada to fit in sometimes. How much more for the Gentiles coming in to the Pharisees, where the Pharisees had things done so specifically? This is what it is. This is the way we do things. And now these Gentiles are coming in just by faith and grace in Christ alone. It was so hard for the Pharisees to accept this. And what they tried to do is they tried to, and the whole book of Galatians is about the freedom that Christ brings. And so, that was really what the message, that was what the message was about this morning. It was a story of conflict. These people came into conflict, huge conflict, about do people have to be circumcised in order to be born again? They listened, and the conflict was resolved. Because God desires unity among us as a people. The Bible says that the world will know that we are Christians if we love one another if we actually serve and love one another. And so I just pray that God imparts, somehow as I spoke, only the, Holy, the Holy, only the Holy Spirit can do it. How incredibly, can you see, just as we read this chapter, can you see the face of Jesus? Can you see how amazing he was? It's just me. It's grace. We just love those Gentiles. Bring them in. Forgive them. It's for all. I'm blessing you, Pharisees, so you can be a blessing. Don't hold it to yourself. This is the church of God today. I'm blessing you so you can go and be a blessing. Because my my desire is that all should come to the knowledge of who I am. None should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of who I am. That was my desire from the minute I spoke. I spoke the world into creation so that everyone would come into a relationship with me. It's scandalous. It's incredible. How much in our lives do we try and add a little bit of law to people's lives? You can come into the church, but just dress a little better. Just do a little better. Just somehow add to this incredible grace that God has. I'm going to pray, and then Eric's going to just say, if, we, if you want to just do communion afterwards, it's a time to do that. Father, thank you for, thank you for the Bible, Lord. Thank you for your word that became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus. That we have this 
that brings life and creates life everywhere we go. Father, I pray that for a community, you would give us such a desire to read your word, to be in your presence, and as we do that, Lord, to see your face. Because it's those who know their God who will do mighty exploits. Father, it's when we see you and your grace and your mercy that we have love and compassion. When we recognize that we need you, Lord. Where would we be without your grace and your mercy and your glory? Father, you're incredible. I pray as a community that you would open the eyes of our heart more and more so that we would see you, that you reveal yourself through your word to us, Lord. Father, we pray that among us as a community, you would strengthen the unity that we have Father, we would have grace to disagree with one another. Different opinions, Lord, that you would teach us, Lord, what it means to be humble, not to want our own way, Lord. God, our desire is for those around us to come to the knowledge of who you are. We ask for salvation, Lord. Your word says those who win souls are wise. We want the wisdom of God. We want to care, Lord. Sometimes we don't even care. We don't even desire your word. We don't even want to be in your presence. God, would you change our taste buds, Lord? We determine this morning, Jesus, it's you and you alone we want. We want unity in our homes, in our church, in our work, God. We want you to be made great. You're glorious. Father, where there's all pride among us as a people to ever think we're better than anyone else. God, would you remove it from us? You're gracious and kind. You've won our hearts, God, and we want more of who you are. Your word says that as your word goes forth, it does not return void, but accomplishes but you purposed it in the Spirit, Lord. And so we thank you for that this morning, God. You're gracious, you're kind. God, I pray where there's strife in, in marriages and families that you, would, that you would bring peace. Where parents and children are estranged from one another, that you would bring restoration. Between siblings, God, we ask for restoration. You make all things 